Welcome to episode 88 of Friends of Film, a podcast that says movie news and theatrical releases. On this episode, we'll cover X-Force and Suicide Squad 2 getting directors, Star Wars 9 losing a director, and more after you view it. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and iTunes by searching Friends of Film. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Wood, once again, Joe Man, also floating, Josh Straley. I am, actually. I, I'm elated this week, Cooper. Yeah. Uh, whether it was just... The first kind of week of September, full week of September mm-hmm. hitting us. Fall weather. There's some great news about some movies that I'm really looking forward to uh, out of TIFF and because of the movie this week. Um, so it's got me bouncing high. How about you? Yeah, it's it's been it's been it's been, it has been an exciting week. That is for sure. I'm looking forward to uh, obviously reviewing it, but also talking about all the news we have. Yes. Even though it's not a ton, it's uh, some pretty big individual stories in their own right so uh we will be getting to our view of it uh this latest edition from a stephen king adaptation josh gonna kick us off this week and we will probably get into spoilers at some point on the movie once we do there will be a timestamp in the description of this episode so you guys can skip ahead to the news but otherwise we hope you have seen the movie and you can stick around for the whole discussion and the news but other than that josh what did you think of it it was a horror movie with a whole lot of heart and that is what's been missing from all of the adaptions of Stephen King's movies. The Shining is different, so we won't talk about that. But the Tim Curry miniseries missed everything that this movie had. And uh, it was brilliantly done by um, Andreas Muschietti. I-, I think it's Muschietti. Muschietti, yes. But he he. Totally slayed it. Um, the cast of kids in this movie, the losers, was the what won the movie for me. It wasn't it wasn't Bill Skarsgård's Pennywise or the horror that they did, even though that was stellar and superb. But it comes in it comes in bits and pieces across the whole movie, and you never get the sense that it's going to dominate the film. Uh, you're on your edge of your seat anytime it comes about, but that's because you are super worried about these kids because these kids have become your best friends after just 15 minutes inside this movie once the prologue ends. And it's it's wonderful. Uh, Jaden Lieberher as mm-hmm. Bill, who also starred in the book of henry right yeah book of henry and uh midnight special yes i think are his other two. Oh wow yeah he's 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 so young but he's so young in midnight special <laughs> yeah it's so is. weird to say but he does a fantastic job as bill uh his stutter and um his i don't want to say indignant nature but just his intensity and fervent nature of like wanting to find Georgie throughout the whole movie, you know, is just like, Oh, what a good brother. Mm-hmm. And then immediately you, you think this guy's, this guy's terrific. But then of course, um, Jack Glazer and film, um, thin Wolfhard are beyond anything I can describe or say for like kid actors. Mm-hmm. Finn, first of all, has just locked down that he is going to be the go-to kid for any Hollywood studio movie that needs some somebody to crack wise. Mm-hmm. Um, it absolutely destroys every line that he is given. And it's always, it's always funny. It's always um, just on beat and fits the moment. And, uh, totally perfect. And then Jack Glazier is Eddie. Uh, 
he's a little the much more reserved one of the mm-hmm. group maybe and like just uh, sarcastic sarcasm's like you know his second weapon uh perfect and then of course though um sophia lillis as bev phenomenal mm-hmm. uh she's gonna have so much to do you know in her career uh i just absolutely phenomenal uh there's a couple others um jacob chosen's mm-hmm. killed it his mic uh jeremy taylor as ben he was so lovable yeah it was. uh and just like the the poetry that he has in his first interactions with bev was like super endearing um but back to pennywise and bill skarsgård this movie does turn on these kids fears and kids going missing all throughout town and what they were able to capture is what the book was about and that's being afraid having something preying on your fears and we see it manifested in the bullies Mm -hmm. and ultimately though we see it manifested in pennywise Mm -hmm. when they conquer one they're finally ready to conquer the next one and it's super awesome to see all of these things twisted and turned into uh a coming of age story of sorts. Uh, I mean, almost literally because Stan has his uh, bar mitzvah mm-hmm. and it's very prominent, like, you know, in the early parts of the, the movie and it leads to some great uh, jokes from Finn uh, to be able to crack on. But they, they build on this friendship and um, they, they turn that right into the darker horror parts of the movie. But it, I, I just was so impressed. It was like watching Stranger Things, mm-hmm. only with um, the themes of Stephen King, and it was absolutely wonderful. Um, we'll talk about some other things in spoilers here that I thought were just totally stellar, but I can't wait to see the conclusion of this two movie set mm-hmm. uh, i give it five tickets stubbed out of five. Ooh, okay yeah i, I was, hot. was i loved it yeah uh it's this was a very 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 pleasant surprise not that i thought it was going to be bad or i thought it was going to be good but i didn't expect to love the movie i was worried it would be a little bit kitschy but enjoyable yeah and i think the thing that shocked me the most is that muschietti just kind of expertly combines thrills and laughs those it's kind of almost like a theme this year because get out was almost very much the same way where mm-hmm. it, it played on social commentaries and it played on very real, uh, you know, things in our world that are scary, but it also made light of a lot of those at the same time. Yeah. But this does like, it does the same sort of thing, but in a totally different way where the thrills are all about Pennywise, but then the laughs all come from the interactions of the kids and the losers club is just, it felt like I knew them instantly. Like I've, I've grown up with these kids, even though I met them five minutes ago, mm-hmm. I felt like I knew them all instantly just because of the way that Muschietti introduced us all to them, whether it's just doing it each separately or all, or just seeing them all walking down the school hallway, goofing off, joking about bar mitzvahs and cutting things off of people. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. just very, <laughs> very funny stuff. Um, the the weirdest thing was about this though that it wasn't as scary as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I, I like from the trailers. The trailers scared me, and then watching the movie, I was expecting you know jumps. I was expecting like shocking moments. I didn't really get those except for maybe one or two moments in the film. But I still didn't, I didn't jump at all, which was a surprise and also oh. kind of a, like it kind of 
made it felt like I that left something on the table because I was going in expecting those jumps, even though I'm not a horror guy. Mm-hmm. I was still kind of looking forward to those moments in the film, and then I never felt like I got those. Um, so that was kind of one thing I felt like they left me hanging on. But just the the entire cast of the Losers Club was excellent. Finn Wolfhard's easily the standout as Richie Tozier. Uh, his comedy chops, I don't remember him being super, super funny in Stranger Things. No, he's the serious lead. Right. At this, I'm just like, do this all the time. Like, he is super vulgar. Uh, his jokes, <laughs> whether he's um, using profanity or he's making sexual innuendos, like, it is It is just some, it's some of the funniest stuff that I've seen in a theater this year, I think. He's your friend, like, yeah. you know, and that that's what made it wonderful. Like, Muschietti, I don't know if the their camaraderie is exactly the same way in the book or not, because I haven't read it, but, like, it felt like an actual friendship that kids have not like a hollywood friendship it felt like you know in real life kids pick on each other even if you're best friends like you'll still Mm -hmm. make fun of one another for whatever it is and like finn went at that really hard and he nailed it every single time i thought jane liedenberg as bill also i mean he was definitely the heart of the film in a lot of the ways because it is about him trying to find his brother um and you know he get like the stutter worked and but also he got it to eventually kind of show that he can be kind of like the leader of the losers club uh, in his moments and overcome his fears and his stutters and in certain um, instances. Then obviously uh, Jeremy Taylor has been, I mean, yeah, like you said, he's just adorable. Like you root for him instantly mm-hmm. right from the second that like Bev's like, Hey, can you like move aside? I'm trying to get through here. And yeah. then like, she takes his music mm-hmm. and like, he's just like instantly in love. And I thought that was great. Uh, and then, yeah, like Bev, she just, I lo- I loved once she joined the Losers Club, but it was, I also really appreciate that they took time to build her up before they got to that moment. Cause it would have been really easy yeah. just for her to have that interaction on the bike or on the, with Ben on the bikes and then see him 20 minutes later in the alleyway and be like, Oh, I'm in your friend group now, but they gave her backstory to show her fears and they actually spent they actually spent a lot of time with her in her house life, which was uh, very terrifying yeah. uh, and unsettling. And then, yeah, uh, whether it's um, who else is there? Jack Razor, like you said, he was just I, he felt so skittish with his asthma and all mm-hmm. of he's just so terrified of everything. And but then like his mom was also terrifying in this weird way, yes. um, which worked really well. And then Wyatt Olaf as uh, Stanley, he was really good. And same with Chosen Jacobs as Mike Hanlon. Uh, I thought he was probably the, the weakest one of the group because he did kind of come in. He came in the latest and became part of the Losers Club at the last second um, yeah. where he all of his stuff kind of came through whether it just be like expositional stuff, be like, Oh yeah, here's my backstory instead of, I didn't feel like we got to lead up to him and see him with the big rock fight and join the losers club. It felt like I was kind of told everything about him um, after the fact, but Bill Skarsgård's Pennywise, uh, I mean, just chilling first time he's on screen. I didn't like him instantly, uh, Mm -hmm. but in, in a good way, like I loved to not like him because he, he was just so cold and creepy and weird, but, like he also had that sense of like, come here, children, and you're like, no, don't, don't do it. Yeah, like there was a duality to him where he was almost like he hates the kids, but mm-hmm. then he has to like tell him like Bill did a good job like doing like an eye roll or like yeah. a, a mind check where he had to say, oh, I have to act like a clown to get this kid mm-hmm. to come closer to me, yeah. and then he would do it on screen and it was perfect. Yeah, but and also like you said, it's basically like a coming of age story. Like it, it definitely plays with that because it is all about the kids, um, but. 
instead of in other coming of age movies about them just kind of growing up it's about them fighting a killer clown mm-hmm. um which is obviously a different spin on it but obviously one that stephen king intended um and other i mean other than that i think there's it's like 215 i think it's runtime um it maybe could have been shortened up a little bit maybe um i felt like it kind of went over some of the same character beats a little bit but not to like a huge degree that really took me out of that movie so um end of the day it's going to be four and a half ticket stubs out of five all right oh that's so, great so I'm one of the one of the, one too. of the best uh, reviewed movies from friends and film this year yes from the summer too uh i would say yeah for sure especially the the weaker latter half that we had yes. um this was the fall is off to a great start yes it is so we will move into spoilers we can talk about some of the plots uh details as well as the ending of the film and then maybe do a little bit about uh what could be next for this uh it's going to be a franchise but what could be next for it so if you have not seen it uh skip ahead to the news but if you have seen it stay with us as we discuss spoilers josh what do you want to talk about first uh, first i want to talk about beb's plot because i took a look i took some digs at wind river mm-hmm. for something similar mm-hmm. uh but this is what um it did so well was tell a story that's traumatic and pretty visceral without without getting gross um you could feel the tension from the very moment that she steps foot into her house and we get to see some part of her home life and even though i wasn't totally sure about it i felt okay something is super Mm -hmm. creepy here and then um Later, later throughout the movie, I was like, oh, no, okay, things seem fine. And then we get to it again, and it finally comes forth. And it doesn't lead to her ended up being anything like a victim or mm-hmm. anything um, super graphic or gross because this movie had an R rating. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it ends with her getting justice mm-hmm. at, the, at the end of it. And I r- really thought that that was terrific. Um, but following closely from Beb, uh, her... Uh, her rapport with Ben was the funniest thing ever. And my the joke that I laughed the hardest about was his music in the Boys to Men poster. Is that what it was? Um, it Was it New Kids on the Block? New or Kids on the Block. And Ben is showing everyone, um, the Losers Club, his research, if you will, because he's super interested mm-hmm. in towns because he moves a lot. And Derry was the one that he just loved the most. Yeah. And they're all in his room investigating and then Bev just shuts the door of his room and Ben looks around. And he's like, oh, no, she yeah. found it. <laughs> the new kid's on the block poster after making so many digs against him or, or not or just ribbing him a little bit for liking the music. Right. And then like it came with a perfect time because he had just basically been accepted into the Losers Club. Mm-hmm. And they're all like already making fun of him about, you know, all, oh, you're just a geek. You're just a nerd. Look at all this history. This is yeah. how you're spending your summer. And. Like if I think if they would have saw that poster, it would have been the end um, of, uh, of yes. Jeremy's time in there. And there was like a quiet look between them. She's like, "You're lucky. I'm nice to you." Yeah. And then shut the door. Yeah. So that which was terrific. I, yeah, which I thought obviously built up. I think the 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 sparks, the romantic sparks between both of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know exactly. Like, I don't know how the second half of the book goes or how the second movie will go. If it'll go um, more, if like if Bev and Ben will be the couple or if Bev and uh, and Bill will be the couple. I don't know which way that goes, um, but I felt like either way, whichever one they decide to do, it felt like they built it up in a great way that I'd be okay with either one. 
because Ben's the one that got gets the kiss that obviously like wakes her up, which I thought was a little cliche, but I was like, okay, it's, it still works. Yeah. It's, it, I, I was expecting it not to. And then when it does, I was like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but then like Bill obviously gets, gets the last moment with her. So I, I don't know where that relationship's going to go, but I liked both parts of the, the, the love triangle. Yes. It was, it was perfectly set into there without being too overly done. Mm-hmm. It worked as like, they're all friends, but there's also something underneath the surface, and it never dominated anything other than being cute little footnotes for right. actual story points mm-hmm. without us you know, diverting to a, a romantic portion of the movie or whatever the case is. Yeah. So I really appreciated that. What was the part that scared you or got you the most? Uh, what got Probably what got me the most was the ones that we did not see at all in the trailers. Yeah. Because I knew the clown was coming out of the water for You'll Float too. Right. But what I didn't expect uh, was the um, painting of the lady that freaks yeah. Dan out the most. And then the chase in the stacks of the library. Because th- oh, that was good, yeah. Those are all real places. Like, mm-hmm. there are some creepy old church buildings out right. there, or temples, or mm-hmm. wherever you're at. And the basements of old buildings and X amount of small towns are eerie like that mm-hmm. and having a headless zombie chase you and then like you know turn into the clown and all that uh uber scary mm-hmm. um but also what took the cake was probably when pennywise came out of the, the projector the projector yeah that was definitely it for me yeah because like we obviously had saw the the flip through all the pictures in the trailer because that was mm-hmm. a great part of the trailers but then doing that to like the extent where he just like comes straight out of it and like he's gonna eat bev i was like that was the part that definitely surprised me the most everything else it was uh, there were still moments of, of shock but none that like that was the closest i probably came to jumping because i just i expected it to end there and then it it kept on going and mm-hmm. to a different level than i expected it to when go. he disappears off of the projection yeah. screen. That's when you, that's when I think a couple people in the theater were like, oh no. Yeah. Because he could have come out of anywhere at that mm-hmm. moment. Especially because you learned he can, he uses the sewers. That's yeah. how, that, that's how he breathes and like lives, you know, that's how he uh, hunts. Yes. And there's like, also oh, nobody's safe on this street anymore. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's no rules as long as you're in town. And yeah, it got me that quick. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of the like the quote unquote final battle? Because I thought it was a pretty, pretty organic and good way to pull it off, where they each kind of come in on their own. And I was a little worried that Georgie was actually going to be Georgie mm-hmm. when Bill shot him. I was like, uh, I hope it's not, because that's gonna be really sad if he does end up like <laughs> killing yeah. him for good. Um, but I-, I liked that they each kind of took on their fear obviously and then obviously they, they stood up to him at the end of like we're not afraid of you so now you're you're afraid of us and i like that twist but also i like that each of them kind of came in on their own brought in like their own little weapon from the that they picked up off the ground or his huge pile of junk mm-hmm. um and just kind of kind of went all at it instead of like i don't know finding some weird like ancient thing that's like oh this is this will repel Pennywise away or something like dumb like that. Yeah. There's no magic trick to conquering your fears. You just, mm-hmm. just got to do it. You just punch it and punch it and punch it over mm-hmm. and over again. Or in this case, stab it in the head right. <laughs> uh, as much as possible until you've beaten it little mm-hmm. by little. And yeah, it was, it was, it was a, it was a great personification of so many of these themes that uh, are in the book. 
And have you read the book? I am three chapters in. Okay. But uh, I've listened to Stephen talk about it mm-hmm. and prep for it. So I'm finally on the source material. Right. And uh, uh, yeah, so I'm excited to get to the, drill into the bits of it. Yeah. I do have to say, though, um, I'm running out of notes here for okay. this, but the fat, I think there was a fat suit in this movie. And that suit. Uh, it was Eddie's mom. I, that was totally a fat suit, and I couldn't Probably. get over it. Yeah, it. It was. It yeah, was. It was. Okay. Uh, luckily, I confirmed this. You confirmed via it before, da- before via, asking via Daily Beast, <laughs> and I can I can say that uh, it 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 got me to giggle uh, four or five times. <laughs> yeah, because it was a little bit over the top. It is a little over the top, but I think it also I think it just adds to the the horror aspect i think they're kind of they're trying to play with it where she's being super protective mm-hmm. um and overbearing and having eddie like take these uh placebo pills yeah, yeah these pills that aren't actually doing anything for him just kind of to keep him paranoid in a sense um so i, I like i liked all that even if yeah if, if it was a fat so i don't really care <laughs> yeah i just thought it was kind of a it was it was like a giggly moment yeah so do you have any other thoughts on it before I, there's a little bit of news about it too that i want to get to before we go to our break no, I am all. Oh, I do want to say though, the quarry scene was fantastic. That is my final note. Just where they're all playing in the water. It's featured heavily in the trailer mm-hmm. um, with the voiceover that uh, Jaden is giving. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Oh, I also appreciate that he didn't have that monologue in the movie. That was. I don't remember the monologue from the trailer. Uh, when you're a kid. Oh yeah, I, I was glad that wasn't in the film because mm-hmm. that was way too meta and yeah, way too yeah, insightful. Um, but yes, that is all my all my feelings on the movie of it. All right. Uh, so before we move on and we do our break and get to our actual news, there was a little update on the progress of it too, and obviously they teased the future of this franchise by the way the movie ends with all of them doing the blood oath uh, instead of uh, a different. Um, uh, ritual they do in the book, thankfully, um, which I won't get into because it's pretty weird. Yeah. Um, but they do the ritual. They're like, okay, we have to make this blood oath that if it ever comes back, no matter where we are, we're going to come back and defeat it again, setting up it chapter two because then when the title card comes up, it goes it chapter one. Obviously, mm-hmm. you wouldn't do that uh, unless you're going to make a second one, which I think was a great move on their part not to title this officially it chapter one yeah. because – it'd be like it part one. And it's like, I feel like it would get more flack. It's like, Oh man, this is part one and part two. They're splitting it up just to make more money. Uh, we're actually, I think it actually deserved to be broken up into two books, obviously, or two films. Um, but anyways, the news came this week that, uh, they are targeting a 2019 release for the sequel. Um, and that writer, Gary Dabberman, who, uh, helped write, uh, the screenplay for this after Kerry Fukunaga left as the director uh, is set to return to write the screenplay for the sequel and that uh, Andy Muschietti is in negotiations to return with all uh, indications that he will back. He's pretty much already said that he is going to do it. Um, also that the kids, they don't have a sequel on their contracts. So um, if they do flashbacks for in the second movie, like they do in the, in the second part of the book, then they'll have to re up these kids, which will obviously be more expensive for new line and WB, but I mean, they're not going to not do it at this point. So, um, do you think that sounds like a good deal? 2019 release with the writer and director and probably all the kids back. Oh yeah. That, that's, I mean, that's a perfect amount of time. You've got 2017 and half of 2018 to get everything 
wrote mm-hmm. uh, Get Your Ducks in a Row for production, film, edit in theaters. Uh, and with, you know, hopefully a little bit bigger of a budget because it did a fantastic oh, yeah. job at the uh, the box yeah, office. Yeah, it had the biggest R-rated opening on Friday. Um, and then it's it's going to be the highest um, horror movie ever um, opening weekend. So uh, big things for it. And I think that – do you think that this franchise will end after It Chapter 2? Yeah, I think so because there's there's nowhere else. You don't think they would be tempted to do a Pennywise origin? You know, see, there are seeds for that. I guess yeah. you could do. Well, you could say seeds um, through the exposition. Mm-hmm. Isn't that so funny? Exposition <laughs> now is we call it seeds for sequels <laughs> or you know Easter eggs. Uh, uh, they they could. They I, very I would not well be surprised could. if they did that. And I think just so that way they get three films out of this. It and you can you can still keep Bill Skarsgård in the role for years to come because mm-hmm. that's a, it's a lot of makeup. Um, probably some prosthesis as well for his head and everything. So uh, I don't think there's any really limit. I don't want to see them do it chapter three where like, I don't know how the book ends. I'm guessing they're, you know, successful in defeating it again, but I don't want them to like, all right, now 27 years later again, you got to come back and they're all old people. I was like, their kids have to go there. And like, I don't want them to just keep, you know, just basically, throwing checks in knowing okay if we put another movie out we're gonna make money which mm-hmm. probably means they're gonna do it unfortunately but yeah i think the the origin the old bear trappers plot makes a whole lot more sense mm. than in it three how about that yeah all right so that's it for our view of it we'll be right back in a bit with the news And we're back with the news. And our first bit, we have a new director for X-Force uh, with Deadline revealing that Drew Goddard, who recently helped write the script for Deadpool 2, he has signed on to write and direct X-Force. Ryan Reynolds and Josh Brolin are both expected to headline as Deadpool and Cable, respectively. Josh, do you think this is good news? I think it's fantastic news because we've got a veteran of fantastic cinema mm-hmm. and um he directed world war no he directed cabin in the woods he wrote world war z did he he was a writer really? on world war z and on the martian and the martian and then he uh he was the original showrunner on daredevil um set that whole first season into motion i think he's still an ep on it now um and then he was supposed to do sinister six for sony that obviously got canned but now yep. he's on this and what a perfect fit I mean, he's going to join, I'm sure, a already set writer's table writing crew as well to pull ideas from uh, whatever happens in Deadpool 2. I think Drew Goddard is a great choice. How about you? Yeah, I mean, if you – I'm a big fan of Cabin in the Woods. I haven't, I've haven't. only seen it, I think, one time. But the mix of comedy with horror, similar to it, uh, in a sense where it, that is more on the comedy because it's almost spoofing the horror genre. It's satire, yes, but, and that's Deadpool. Uh, exactly, and I think that's that's a great way to go about it where he obviously has those comedic chops, but then getting him to do an action film, I've been kind of waiting for him to take that next step because I don't even know if he's directed a movie since Cabin in the Woods, and that was he. That movie came out in 2011, but it was made years before, and they were just kind of sitting on it until... Chris Hemsworth blew up as Thor, and that's why they're like, all right, put this movie out now because people know he's Thor. Yeah. We'll make more money that way. 
and I think it, I think it's a great move to get Goddard, uh, keep him in the X Men family now since he helped with. Uh, Deadpool 2 in some capacity so I don't really see any negatives to this and I, I, I'm interested to know why in this initial real kind of detail of it all Zazie beats his domino wasn't included as a part of the X-Force cast because I thought she would for sure be in it maybe that's just they just are like well people don't know Zazie beats yet but they know Ryan Reynolds they know Josh Brolin they know Deadpool Cable so we'll, those will be the headlines, obviously. So Front and center for a press release. Yeah. Okay. So I think that's, I hope that's the reason for it, not that yes. she's not going to be in the movie, because that would be weird. Um, but I, I'm just interested to see, you know, how this corner of X-Men's universe continues out now that we have Deadpool, Deadpool 2, there's talks of Deadpool 3, and now we have X-Force. Um, I think they're going to continue to bet heavily on Deadpool moving forward. Well, I mean, how do you not after his debut? And I do hope, yeah, like you said, this was just an ill-timed press release Mm -hmm. or a a bad press release in general. Right. And they're not actually blowing portions of of the upcoming Deadpool movie. But yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Hopefully this is not a signal that like Domino dies. They are professionals. (laughs) I I trust them. Uh, (laughs) I'm doing air quotes, folks. <laughs> so uh, that, that is that it? That's all you got on X-Force? That's all I got on X-Force. Okay. There's not a whole whole lot underneath yet until so, we see Deadpool 2. Exactly. We got we, we still have a lot more to know about where this kind of universe is going, but some ex- very exciting news that came this way uh, for me this week uh, was that uh, it was revealed uh, via multiple outlets that Warrior and the accountant director Gavin O'Connor is set to write and direct Suicide Squad 2. Josh, this is... Great news. Uh, I don't... I've only seen one Connor movie, uh-huh. all right? Uh, it was... I don't remember the name, but The, the Accountant. Con- yeah. Yes, which Anna Kendrick, Ben Affleck. They, they should team up more. They should. Uh, why, why should I be excited for Gavin O'Connor? I know there's this warrior movie out yes, there. Yes, warrior. I, Fantastic. I, but I also knew he was going to do a Green Hornet reboot. Yeah, that's it. Are you really interested in Green Hornet? Are you really interested in Suicide Squad 2? I am now. All right. <laughs> because Tell me now why. in my mind, there's so many possibilities um, that they could go with this. Because Gavin O'Connor in Warrior, he it's obviously an MMA movie. So it he, he gets all the fight choreography. All that stuff looks great. There are some really, really great moments with whether it's Joel Edgerton fighting as a huge underdog or it's Tom Hardy just knocking dudes out in five seconds. Like... There are there are moments in that film that you just get your blood pumping because the way he directs those action sequences. But the way the reason that movie works so well is because of the heart. It's because of those characters. It's because you care about both of those both of those guys so much that you want them both to win, but they but you, they can't because they're they're in a tournament against each other and. 14 other fighters. I can't remember how many or maybe it's six. I don't remember, but. I think if Gavin O'Connor does do this, obviously, uh, and he sticks on, he makes it, he directs the whole thing, as long as WB gives him the control that he deserves and the one that he needs, I don't have any question that he will make a Suicide Squad 2 that is full of characters, which the characters in Suicide Squad, the first one, were the best parts, whether it's Will Smith or Margot Robbie. It wasn't the action in that movie. It wasn't... Uh, the story, it was, I think, people latched on to Will Smith. They latched on to Margot Robbie, maybe to El Diablo, um, and maybe some other ones here and there. But if he can do that 
even to a further degree while bringing in new members as well. I think that's it's got a formula to be good because I think he'll keep it small, quote unquote, where it's it's not this big it's, world beam or sky beam of destruction. It's like mm. I think I think he can take it in the direction Suicide Squad two should go and be in like a like a like like their their name Task Force X like go on missions that nobody else can go on because of um, you know national securities or um, you just have to do like infiltration missions like just do something different and I think if they can give him Deadshot who is he already proved that he can be a really cool action star. I don't. I mean, they're gonna put Harley in there probably, uh, which is fine. But I also want them to take Deathstroke since he's probably not gonna be in the Batman okay. or anything. Put him in there. Yeah. Get some really good swords play, gunshots, all that stuff. And then uh, I have a fan cast that I will reveal later because we Ooh, just okay. in case you do a future big question on who should be in Suicide Squad 2. Right. Yeah, screw it. I'll, I'll spoil it now. Please. Uh, Joel Edgerton as Captain Cold. Okay, yeah. I think Ooh. I think that would be great because not only Joel Edgerton's a great actor, but also Captain Cold has some actual like abilities to a certain degree and he he is like a, he's just a, he's a criminal. So I think that makes sense for him to be in there. Plus then he could get, escape by the end of the movie, be in the Flash. You know, he could... There's, there's lots of possibilities out there. So... Uh, have I have I sold you any more on this? Yeah, actually, a little bit. You okay. sold me a bit on story. Okay. Ta- what if I like the idea that Task Force X, um, yeah, works for the U.S. government, and I think it would be cool if instead of sending them after another supervillain, if to show so, just bear with me here in this okay. DCEU world. All right, not saying I'm. This is not any kind of statement here. Uh, <laughs> It would be cool if they were doing this like extra judicially, like the United States in this DC world, since mm-hmm. it's already a dark place. Yeah, they send they send and use supervillains to accomplish their goals because they don't want it tied back to them. Right, and they can't. You know, they, they definitely know Superman's not going to be down mm-hmm. for what they want to do. So, like, maybe it's maybe they use it in a different way other than to just fight some kind of, like you said, like earth destroying city, destroying laser beam yeah, or whatever. that's not the suicide. That's the justice leagues things. That's yes. Not, shouldn't be suicide. Squad. Yeah. This should be more governmental, um, lower to the ground. Mm-hmm. If Gavin can do that, I think if there's a press release or some kind of statement where he's talking about this and says something akin to that, let's not go superhero level. Let's go, um, you know, let's make it an action movie first mm-hmm. with a cast of characters that you love. Yeah, that would be perfect. And then you throw in some other noticeable villains or heroes and have mm-hmm. them show up and play the part. Because what would be cool about a Suicide Squad is to watch them battle traditional heroes. Let's watch them battle Flash, maybe beat him up and win. and mm. Or, you know, him just miss the mark of yeah. total victory and then find a win. Uh, but Gavin O'Connor initially being attached. I haven't seen Warrior. Uh, I'll say that right now. But that doesn't it doesn't win me over because Accountant was so middle of the road. I thought you liked Accountant. I did, but it was so ultimately unimpressionable. Like oh, I watched it, liked it. I have not seen it again. Have no have no real reason to buy it. Um, That's disappointing. Yeah, it got it got me in the door. 
uh, were John Berthold, Anna Kendrick, and Ben Affleck. Mm-hmm. And J.K. Simmons, too. Yeah. yeah. It was loaded to be great, mm-hmm. but it turned out to be okay. Yeah. And that was a letdown. See, okay, so I don't know if they'll go, like, I mean, they they set it up a little bit in the first U.S. Ed squad where Amanda Waller is, like, pitching the idea of Task Force X to the U.S. government saying, hey, listen, you guys want those bomb codes? We'll go over there and get them. You want this other thing? We'll go do that. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll go kill this other person. We don't care. We'll do all the shady stuff you guys don't want to do. But what if instead of going after like some actual like U.S. government thing, they're like, oh, we've heard of this Bane guy that's like has his own island. He's ruling. Oh, and they could go there. And they have to go try mm-hmm. to take down Bane. That would be cool. And I think that's the way you do it. Not I got, having them go against like, I don't know, like, I just don't know any of the Justice members who would be like a worthy opponent that wouldn't be overpowering or would be undermatched. Like Batman would could just outsmart them all because they're not that well powered anyways. And Superman's way too overpowered. Flash is super speed. He can't. None of those other people can really stop him. Cyborg maybe. Wonder Woman, she's a demigod. Like not going to stop her. Aquaman can control all water. Like it's not, it's not going to work. Like I don't want to see Justice League versus Suicide Squad because that's yeah. going to be just okay. that's going to be a a Patriots versus the Browns scenario or something <laughs> like, or it's 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 a hundred to zero by the end of that game. You know, I I want to see them keep it keep it small. Obviously, this is this is, doesn't really have anything to do with Gavin O'Connor. But outside of I think that's the pitch he will make to the studio. I don't. I don't envision him going and being like, okay, this is what I want to do. I want to, I want to bring in all these other characters and I want to fight flash Batman, Superman all in 20 minutes. And then we bring in Bane and then we go to Russia and then we go to Africa and we do all this other crazy stuff. Also while music videos are basically happening the whole time. Like that's, that's not what he's going to do. Like that's, that's not his MO. But Um, also that wasn't Ayer's MO either. Sure. But that's what we got at the end of the day. So I, I think, that that's obviously because of Warner Brothers, and hopefully after the learned. poor reception to Suicide Squad, they have learned the lesson that hey, you know, people don't people weren't responding to the bright colors in our trailers; they were responding to the tr- the the tone, and we went way too far in that degree. And they also didn't like the big over the top dancing Enchantress, so let's not have some super um, OP villain in the sequel. Mm-hmm. Let's get Bane, who's just a brawler. He can go head toe to toe with anybody in the Suicide Squad. Plus, he can have goons or whatever. Like, do something like that where it's it's it still will feel like a superhero movie, but not to like a crazy degree where it's like, wow, like how is nobody else knowing about this? Yeah. Like, I, I, that again, that, that doesn't really have anything to do with Go Connor outside of what I think he would pitch the movie. But if that is what he pitches or something similar to it, that isn't world destruction, world ending, world crisis then I think he's going to be a great fit because he can continue to develop these characters as characters that people have already liked, give them more backstory, give them more heart. And then, you know, if there's that moment in the sequel where El Diablo has to sacrifice himself or somebody else does like El Diablo did in the first one, then it has more of an impact because we actually cared about those characters. Yeah. I, I yeah, and that's and that's what we definitely need because we didn't get to spend any time mm-hmm. with those characters to really make his sacrifice you know, worthwhile. Right. D- yeah. Cause he doesn't make it out of that movie. Does he? Him and, um, uh, uh boomerang. Uh, no, uh, no slipknot slipknot. Yeah. Yes. But then also, um, 
Scott Eastwood. <laughs> right. <laughs> Supposedly. <But> Scott, <laughs> Scott Eastwood was, yeah. The random cameo. Right. Uh, so, yeah, that's, uh, that's DC, which brings us to uh, Star Wars, mm-hmm. which uh, the biggest story of the week came, I think, what was it, Tuesday? Monday or Tuesday. It came at the start of the week. Tuesday. Yep. That Colin Trevorrow is out of the director's chair for Star Wars Episode Nine, and Lucasfilm made the announcement this week that uh, they have mutually agreed to part ways, I believe is what they said in their their, their press release. The, yes. Um, Colin has been a wonderful collaborator throughout the development process, but we have all come to the conclusion that our visions for the project differ. This okay. is one month after Jack Thorne got yes. tasked to help with rewrites. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Trevorrow and Derek Conley, Trevorrow's mm-hmm. writing partner. So, well, and that was after because I think I heard that Conley actually was kind of kicked off, and that's why Thorne was brought in. Mm. And then at that time, Trevorrow, that's kind of when everything kind of pulled over to Trevorrow's. Like, ah, I don't know if I want to do this because they, they kicked off my writing partner. They don't like my vision. Yeah, I, mean, I don't like their vision or something. I guess so. Uh, obviously, outside of the Thorn coming in and helping rewrite it, it comes on the heels of Book of Henry's reviews um, that obviously made a lot of people question whether or not Trevor O should still be a part of the film. Um, but then THR also said that uh, this was part of this was in part because of the script. That was the big hang up because they couldn't crack it for whatever reason. They can't crack the script, and that um, Trevor had become quote difficult. Uh, in in the process and development because he was basically unwilling to change his ideas and he was going you know back and forth with Kathleen Kennedy and their relationship had become unmanageable according to sources so uh Trevor's off of Star Wars 9 leaving that movie vacant but I mean what do you what do you what do you make of this uh, I mean, I don't know Trevorrow obviously mm-hmm. I don't know Kathleen Kennedy uh I don't know Trevorrow at all I can get impressions from Kathleen Kennedy. And we saw Kathleen Kennedy is not afraid um, to make the hard decisions, even in the worst possible case scenario, when you've already got X amount of sunk costs into projects. So my gut is maybe things, things couldn't have been that bad, but if she knew they had problems now, you know, who knows what's going to happen in production? And, and she just dealt with this on solo. Exactly. Nip it in the bud. And I think that's what probably happened here. And yeah, I mean, if Derek Conley got pushed off, that's Trevorrow's writing partner from his last three movies. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, the first one, the indie movie, which I Safety can't even think guaranteed. Safety Not Guaranteed, Book of Henry, and Jurassic World, World 2. Both, all three together on that, or mm-hmm. both together on all three. So that, yeah, bringing in Jack Thorne was probably definitely a sign that things were, uh, you know, in peril. But mm-hmm. I, I don't, I just, I think it's fine. Like, I'm not heartbroken or devastated yeah. by any of this. That, were you that, surprised? I was surprised. Yeah. Mainly because I'm shocked that Lucasfilm doesn't know what they want. Mm-hmm. And... That's concerning. <laughs> that that it is a tad, yeah, it is a tad concerning, mm-hmm. um, because maybe they didn't know what they wanted with Han Solo either. Right. I think I think there's there may be other reasons for why the script is having trouble. Obviously, with Star Wars Episode Nine, but yeah, um, I think I, I was surprised by this announcement, not because I thought that Trevor was, gonna, was the the greatest fit for Nine, but I was surprised because it 
it comes with production set to start in January. So we have October, November, December. Yeah, we're so not we have starting three, production in we January. We have three and a half months until production starts to finalize a script, find a director, and cast any additional roles that are going to be in the in the final installment of this trilogy, which maybe there aren't any significant ones. So they can keep all that stuff under wraps, and maybe they're trying to do all that until after episode eight airs, so that way it doesn't spoil anything, obviously, but... Like this, this is a, this is, this is late in the game. And like when we had our first big question ever on the show, it was, no, are we concerned about Star Wars nine because of book of Henry reviews? Yeah. And I said at the time, I was like, yeah, but Trevor was you know, the kind of guy who will be like, it's my way or the highway. And apparently that's what he is <laughs> all yeah. of a sudden. We- but also I was like in that episode, I said, he it's too late they can't they can't make a change without delaying the movie mm-hmm. in some aspect whether they delay production and still try to make it hit the may 2019 release or they delay the film to december and then have it go up against uh wonder woman 2 <laughs> wonder woman 2 uh avatars no avatar's still looking for a date avatars it? 2020 okay still yeah. um so yeah like that's what i that was just that was, that's the weirdest thing about it is because it, it felt like they should have already known about this, but I also, I know what you're saying about Han Solo is because Kennedy just dealt with this and the reports were that her relationship with Miller and Lord was not the best before production started. And they were just kind of hoping, all right, once cameras get rolling, we'll figure it out. And obviously they didn't. So she probably saw, okay, well, this is going to be, this is going to be repeat. Let's make the director change now and try to avoid <laughs> getting yeah. another mid-production director change. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I just don't know. It, it's just weird. It, 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 especially because when I initially made my comments, I was under the impression. Like, Jurassic World, for all of its faults mm-hmm. in story, it was still an entertaining movie. Yeah. And it was still, it was still a, a $300 million studio film. Mm-hmm. And I thought I got the best Jurassic World movie I could have asked for. I got to see everything I wanted, you know, the parking function and mm-hmm. how it would all play out. And I had no faults with Tavaro because wielding uh, a movie like that is difficult and hard and you're not always going to get what you want into it. Mm-hmm. But then when you saw Book of Henry and it get some lackluster, you know, reviews and storytelling. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, that probably, you think that's, I don't think that spooked them. Because at the end of the day, I always thought, well, he's not writing that. He's not really writing this. They've got so many amounts of, you know, spec scripts and, you know, all this stuff that he's inheriting from Abrams and Johnson that he's just going to have to wrap up and tie up in one big knockout, drag out Mm -hmm. explosion set film. Um, And remember when we were talking about (laughs) he was going to shoot scenes in space. (laughs) Yeah. Not but happening. I don't think so. But yeah, I, I don't. I feel fine about it. Mm-hmm. I'm not worried about it. Um, You're not worried at all. I'm not worried about it at all. I I would love to see it make that uh, Star Wars Day release date. Mm-hmm. But if it gets if it gets bumped, uh, or we wait longer for a killer conclusion to this trilogy, um, that that would be preferable because arguably. The, the third movie in every each trilogy has been the absolute worst the absolute worst right what yeah wouldn't you say in star wars i would say i would say yeah absolutely you say revenge of the sith is the worst prequel i would say 
argue yeah i think it would be no way that's the best one <laughs> okay well that's that's your opinion but <laughs> oh, our, the original trilogy for sure is yeah for, um for i think us five, but I know, four six i know there's other people who return as their favorite it's I, good i know i know it's th- still with my top three right but <laughs> <laughs> like there's i but I, I know what you're saying though like in typically not even just star wars but most franchises the third film is the worst apocalypse made the joke to their own demise uh because (laughs) it was the worst of that trilogy as well but i am i'm worried about it because i don't know if they'll delay it and that would mean a rush production which worries me because i don't want them to rush it especially if they haven't cracked their script unless whoever comes on next is just going to do Lucasfilm vision. They're not going to help write the script or whatever. Like if Lucasfilm has their their thought, then they're going to be like, all right, this is the movie you're making. No, no, if I answer butts, you're sticking to the script. You can't improvise. <laughs> you have to do twelve setups a day on every single shot. You have to do all this stuff. Like you can't you can't mess around because we have to hit a release date that's a year and a half away. Yeah, but the script. Do you? Th- I, the big X factor with nine is obviously the death of Carrie Fisher. Mm-hmm. She's supposed to be a huge part in this movie, and I've, I'm guessing, obviously I'm just guessing, I have no inside knowledge, I don't know anybody at Lucasfilm or <laughs> Colin Trevorrow or anything, but like all of these problems, I'm guessing, arose from the fact that they lost Leia, and she's supposed to have such a huge part in Nine that now they're like, well, crap, There's now, a now what do we do? Mm. Do, we, do we have Luke take on that part? Do we bring somebody else in? bringing some new character to be a surrogate mother or something like is does Laura Dern serve that role all of a sudden? Like nobody, like I don't, I have no idea what they should do. And it sounds like they don't really know what they should do either, which makes me want them to delay it. Even though I don't want to wait another two years after I ate to see nine, I was looking forward to man after C eight, it's going to be a year and a half. Yeah. <laughs> then I guess see the closing chapter, but now it seems like I'll probably have to wait unless they just rush through everything. Yeah, like, we see, the hard part right here, right now, is we're taking stabs in the dark because I don't know the second chapter. I don't right. know what Trevorrow was tasked with doing. I don't know what uh, Jack Thorne was brought in to help do. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where I'm at a lot. I mean, you know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm finally at a cliff. I'm run out of road to, you know, grab things and make assertions or assumptions with. So... You know, uh, it, it, the big takeaway is they don't know mm-hmm. because if they were clashing over vision, I think it was because Trevorrow was tasked with coming up with one for them. And okay. Th- and well, if they're clashing over vision, I think it means that they have some semblance of knowledge of what they want to do. And then Trevorrow is saying, all right, well, you guys want Ray to do this but i want ray to do this instead they're like no you, right. can't, you can't do this because that changes all this stuff and he's like well i want to do it this way so i think they have ideas obviously what they want to do and yes. i think thorn if he's still working on the script is working on making lucasfilm's version of that script and not and then once they try to go the director search route then they'll just be like here's your script yeah i mean thorn's doing what i mean they hired thorn to be thorn mm-hmm. um because they like what he does and they think that he'll he'll lead them into what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if Lucas knew what they wanted in this, Trevorrow would do it. I, I don't have any doubt about that. I don't but know. That's not Collins, what I mean. but I but I think it but I think it just became this how about this idea? 
no, that's not what we're looking for. Okay. How about this idea? Ah, better, but no, still not that yet. How about this idea? Nope. Here, we're going to bring in this guy. Okay, that's fine. Uh, also, your friend? No, yeah, he's he his, he's not doing it for us. Get out. So I, I think that is what you would get to, mm-hmm. um, especially if the, um, the, the maw that Carrie is going to leave in the story, or, um, depending on how nine conclude or eight concludes. Yeah, I just I just think it became we don't. I, I think they run out of road and they just don't know. That that may be the worrisome part. But remember, Lucasfilm is pros. They turned around an entire 45-minute sequence of Rogue One <laughs> in reshoots. Yeah. And, and you, could, you could barely tell mm-hmm. uh, unless uh, Edwards hadn't, you know, laid it all out in uh, an Empire podcast. So, right. you know, I, I think it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Mainly and mostly because um, there are so many talented people out there, right? And I think that that'll ultimately, I think, figure out where everybody sides on whether or not this was a a good decision or if it was a great decision, mm-hmm. depending on who directs Episode Nine. And that is the big question of the week: Who will direct Star Wars Nine right now, uh, or not right now, but now moving forward? Um, the early reports are that Ryan Johnson and J.J. Abrams are the early favorites to take over. Uh, are there any other options, or is it going to be one of those two guys? Oh, there are dozens of other options okay. out there. Well, before we get to the other options, what do you think of Ryan or J.J.? Uh, all indications is that Ryan Johnson is a man after Kathleen Kennedy and Spielberg's own heart. Mm-hmm. Um, probably J.J.'s, too, because J.J.'s is you know, basically like the, the perfect, the millennial carbon copy right. of Steven Spielberg and film, I would say, I mean, that's not a dig or anything, but mm-hmm. it's just, he captures, uh, spirit and joy in similar ways and, and fun and enthusiasm that Spielberg does too. Uh, so if Johnson's doing that and if he's, you know, bringing, um, his like, you know, excellence to eight, why not carry him over to nine? I mean, he's, it would just be, um, it would be the perfect, it would be seamless. I would, I'd say be seamless, especially since he's just coming from that. Mm-hmm. Would he want to do it though? Yeah. That's my question because it sounds like anytime we see someone who, unless you're like Michael Bay, uh, he, he, his directors kind of, after they do a studio film, seem to wander into smaller projects mm-hmm. as what we've seen JJ do uh, recently. I mean, 10 Cloverfield Lane popped out right afterwards. Right. But, but even he didn't direct that. So No, but he was EPing on it. Right. And he, he definitely wanted to step mm-hmm. away. We didn't see him pick up Star Trek 3. Well, Star Trek 3 was already in production mm-hmm. too. But, you know, he didn't immediately yes. jump back into their arms and say, let me do the next one. I also think I, I would love, even though we have not seen Last Jedi. We've seen one trailer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we've seen what... Uh, 90 seconds of footage from the movie. 90 seconds. Well, we, we could probably say like two full minutes, three full minutes of footage. Two full minutes. Because of the, the behind the scenes, behind the scenes okay, stuff. Okay, fair. So we've seen two minutes of what's going to be a two hour and 20 minute movie probably. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously there's a lot that we've not seen from this movie and a lot that could obviously change and maybe it could turn out to be crap. But I don't, I don't think that's going to be the case. And I, I don't think that Lucasfilm, I think Lucasfilm knows whether or not that movie is going to be great or not, because there's word on the street that the cut's already done. They've finalized cut. They're just kind of waiting and twiddling their thumbs at this point. 
Um, that would which, be amazing. Which would be insane because you're just chilling for two months on a film that's going to make you billions of dollars. This is reshoot territory time right now. Well, no, two months ago was. Yeah. But Abrams didn't lock his cut in until mid-November. Right. So, like, I think I think, I think it was the Slash Film Daily Podcast. They were like, I've heard that cut's locked. That they... The, the, their final so if that's the case then i think ryan has more time to just maybe take a take a month off mm-hmm. not worry about star wars and then if lucasfilm does really want him to do nine be like okay come look at our script tell us what you think do you want to do this movie and then he could say yeah i want to do it but can we change you know x y and z and they could say yes or no they'd probably say yes i think because if Last Jedi is as great as I think a lot of people are anticipating, bringing Johnson back for nine would obviously be a a great PR move. Um, but I would also not be upset if it was JJ because I thought he did an excellent job with seven, and he is both him and Ryan have already said that oh but we'd love to do another Star Wars movie. So I think I don't think it's a matter of interest; it's just a matter of scheduling and both. JJ doesn't have anything on his schedule directing wise. No. So he is totally free and he would have more time currently to prep the film. Um, and also I think he would still, I think he would, he would probably be better fit for the, re- if they want to do return of the Jedi tone where it's a little more lighthearted. Um, I have no doubt, doubt that Ryan Johnson could pull that off, but it seems like he's doing a good fit with the darker style tone. Um, for the last Jedi, so either one of those, I'd be totally fine with. Would you think? Do you think it's outlandish to suggest there's a dual directing credit with Abrams and Johnson? Ooh, that is interesting. I not thought of that. Um, I don't. I think each one of those per, people personally uh, would need their own separate slides. Right. Uh, what I could see, I could see if either one of them directs the movie, I could see the other one also getting producing credit. And if JJ directs, I could see Johnson getting screenwrite. I could see him doing touch-ups on the script and helping Lucasfilm find it. And knowing how episode eight plays out, knowing all the things he set up in that film, he could set everything up to be completed in nine. And then JJ could come in, direct the whole thing. I could see that scenario playing out, but I couldn't see them both directing it. Yeah. I, I, I do like the idea that Ryan would be, the most prominent writer on the film. Because there were rumors when he was initially hired that it was that he was going to write and direct eight and nine, but then he has since said, "No, I'm not. I didn't help write nine at all. That's all been Trevorrow and his buddy and Thorne. I haven't touched it. Um, so maybe he has come back around to it. Um, if that wasn't the cards initially, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I think so. Because also, but the thing, the thing where that makes me a little bit wary of that is mm-hmm. Trevorrow said that in interviews that he had Johnson do pickup shots for him. Didn't he? He had him do one shot to set something up. So I think it would, I think it would be something that's along, collaboration. I think it'd be along the lines of like after force awakens came out and Ryan Johnson was talking about, you know, doing eight. He said, Oh yeah, you know, I had JJ make one change. Just don't take R2 to Octo. Like JJ want to do that. And I said, no, cause I'm going to do this, this and this. Hmm? And, what? He did take R2 to Octo. Mm, did he? Yeah, it's R2 and Chewie along with or Ray. Maybe, or maybe he said... BB-8, perhaps? Maybe he said 
don't take or JJ wasn't going to take R2 okay. and then Johnson's like no I need you to take R2 because he's reuniting right because R2 they have Luke. some you know plot together or whatever yeah. so I think I think it's okay. something like that where Trevor was like oh yeah you know I want I want to do this in my movie so if you could have the movie end or have a mention in the middle of the movie that this could tie in here that would be great but I don't think it's anything like crazy like oh yeah can you can you get a shot of uh you know, these two people interacting with this dialogue because mm-hmm. this is how it's going to play into my movie. Sure. And even if they did, it's one scene. So it's, it's non consequential unless yeah. it, unless it was on uh, Skelly Michael Island where they like can barely ever shoot, which I don't know why they'd go back there in nine, but you never know. So outside of Johnson and Abrams, uh, who, who are some people you'd like to see take on episode nine? Well, you if know, you had, if you, if you got your choice, you could pick anybody. Who would it be? Denny Villeneuve, right off the top of my head. Uh, you, 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 I tell you why. Number one, Blade Runner is on its way out. Mm-hmm. It's a pickup of a. It's a sequel to a classic '80s film, and all indications are it's stellar, and we are all going to rave over it. Mm-hmm. Um, but more importantly, though, even if it does bomb, Denny has proven his chops as a visual mastermind and able to collaborate on script and story with a host of writers and source material and deliver one of the most impactful sci-fi movies that I've seen in the last two, three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, th- I, I know he's got a Dune project in the works, mm-hmm. but it's supposed to maybe do the sequel to Blade Runner 2049. If they do one of those, supposedly, but you know what? If he kicks off a Blade Runner frenzy, he could step away and not have to worry about anything, especially if Star Wars is waiting in the wings. Right. Now, the thing, I had the same thought about Denny. He was on my list. But because it seemed like Lucasfilm was being very tight with their grasp on the story, the tone, uh, and everything for all their Star Wars movies now moving forward, do you think Denny would like to join a franchise where he would, he would have potentially very little wiggle room to do his style. Hmm. Uh, you know what? He picked up a Blade Runner movie. Mm-hmm. I don't think he collaborated too harshly on it because, well, collaborated too harshly. I don't think he had a big say in it because Ridley Scott was lording over that movie as well. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure there was an exchange well, of I think, ideas. I think the tonal and... comparisons between Denny's movies and Blade Runner fits better than... Denny's never done a lighthearted movie, which Star Wars tends to lean more towards lightheartedness. Ryan Johnson did Looper before he did Star Wars. Yeah, but he also did. Um, 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 I don't. I haven't seen Brick or his other one. Yeah, okay. Brick is a little bit more okay, but that's fair. I I don't know. That's just the thought I had. I think if Jack Thorne is writing with Denny, putting together a conclusive a conclusion. I I would be blown away by that. Now, I understand that's a pipe dream. Yeah. Denny is probably going to be one of the biggest names come 2017, especially because mm-hmm. he's a free agent at that point. It looks, looks right. like he, he's either going to, something's going to fall into his lap. Someone's going to, you know, woo him mm-hmm. or he's going to go to work on getting Dune off the ground. Yeah. And I know, I think he also has another project with Jill and Hall that's like been announced, but they don't actually have any movement on it. But I mean, after, yeah, I agree. After Blade Runner will probably crush critically and potentially financially. Uh, I think he'll have his pick of the litter. And at that point, it would have to, we have to wait and see 
I guess it would kind of depend on when Star Wars and Lucasfilm plan to announce this mm-hmm. because I, I'm guessing they already have their pick chosen because I don't think you fire Trevorrow without having an idea of like, okay, we're de- like, we've already talked to these three people. We're getting one of those three. They've already basically said, we just have to pick which one. Yeah. So maybe Denny's one of those guys, but I don't know. He would, he would keep quiet yeah. throughout September, October. Right. I mean, nobody, if you're up for Star Wars, be like, oh yeah, you know, Lucasfilm called me to take over nine. You're right. Like, Whoa. And then come Blade Runner uh, promotion week. Mm-hmm. That's when you would announce it or the lead up the two or three weeks before right. you have your debut. That way he can talk about it on the circuit yeah. and say why he's excited to work mm-hmm. with Lucasfilm. Lucasfilm gets great press because plug, yeah. Blade Runner is getting great press and you have a, a total cycle. Yep. But that's my pipe dream. There. Okay. Do you, what are you thinking? Do you have something realistic? Do you have pipe realistic. dreams of yourself? Man, I don't or? know. My, I have a list that varies very heavily in terms of realism. Okay. And then I think very heavy long shots on the people who probably would never do it. Um, because of various reasons. Sure. I don't really have, I think Ryan is my, is my choice. If I have to choose anybody, it would be Ryan. But mm-hmm. if there's other names out there, I mean, I, there's, there've been so many listicles this week online of here, are the 10 directors that should direct nine. Here's the eight directors. Like here's all these. And then it's always the big names. It's always Ava DuVernay, which would be great. Oh, wow. Ava, yeah. Ava DuVernay doing nine, I think would be great because she helped, uh, JJ a little bit supposedly or not supposedly that he said that she helped him uh, look over some scenes for seven and there are reports that she's already met with Lucasfilm um, before she took over a wrinkle in time at Disney so she's in the Disney family she was in the talks to do Black Panther at one point um, and I think wrinkle in time is going to be a huge hit for Disney in March so if they could keep her in their studio for another two years and have her do the the biggest or one of their biggest upcoming movies. I think that makes a lot of sense, but I think it all depends on wrinkle and times uh, production and everything, because mm-hmm. she will still be doing final edit on that movie up until it's release. Plus she has the press tour and all that stuff. So I don't know how she would be able to do it um, scheduling wise, because unless they do delay start of production. So that that's the thing I'm, I'm up on all these. I'm operating on the assumption that star Wars is nine is still going to start filming in January. So I don't think I would love to see Duvernay do it, but I don't know if she's actually a a realistic option. Selma was really good, and Mm -hmm. I did love the 13th documentary that she did as well. And Kathleen Kennedy, remember the heat that she took? For saying, oh, there's not enough, there's no female directors experienced enough to uh, (laughs) take over Star Wars. Exactly. You know, and now if, if Wrinkle in Time turns out to be as great as that first trailer was, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Why not? Especially since it's a twenty nine. It's a twenty eighteen film. Mm-hmm. This is a twenty nineteen movie. Yeah. Um. And if she's in post right now with it, or mm-hmm. you know, at least close to. Oh, she's definitely in post. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, why the heck not? Yeah. What about since we're talking about female directors? What about Patty Jenkins? Could you see her doing it? She. I think she's locked in at Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I would. I didn't even bother to bring it up, but she shot to the forefront of my mind. Yeah. She was um, on. She's like basically number one or two on basically everybody else's list yeah but uh, yeah i think because wonder woman 2 is a 2019 release in december unless they are going to delay wonder woman 2 which i don't see wonder or what wb doing or unless patty leaves the movie as direct which Mm -hmm. i can't imagine wb allowing her to do because anything star wars offers wb would have to give her that plus more i think to keep on wonder woman 2 yeah so i don't think she is a realistic option either just because of the schedule if if they delayed Wonder Woman two to the year after, then sure, I think she would have the time to do it. 
but she seems pretty committed to it already, and I, I, I just don't see how it would work. Do you have any other uh, any other names? Well, it's, it's, we are in the female director line right now. Mm-hmm. Yes, I have Catherine Bigelow. Yeah, she was on mine. Uh, Detroit, the, Detroit was not received well at the box office. No, critically, it was critically it was pretty well received. Yeah, pretty good. Uh, closer to the middle of the road than you know, absolutely stellar. Mm-hmm. But also, uh, anytime I watch Zero Dark Thirty, uh, I I'm just enthralled with. Um, but patriotism, but also just the high, the highs and lows of that movie. And mm-hmm. I think that transitioned into a Star Wars film, um, along with writing credits from maybe Johnson Thorne mm-hmm. or anybody else, right. combined with her uh, sense of direction and um, spirit of filmmaking. Uh, I think that is where you could, it's almost like, Turning turning your sense of your love of country into your love of Star Wars, mm-hmm. I just think that would be uh, absolutely uh, a perfect fit. Yeah, I, she was on my list as well. Uh, her schedule is free. She doesn't have any other mm-hmm. projects announced at this point, so she is available. Lucasfilm, if you're if you are looking for a female director, which I think after firing Trevorrow, who was almost a catalyst for a lot of the a lot of articles early in the year of like. Oh, Contravero is the face of failing upwards in Hollywood for yes. white males. If they would fire him and then hire a female, mm-hmm. I think that'd be a great look for them. Um, but it, again, I think I don't know how I don't know how interested Bigelow would be in doing a franchise film to begin with. Yes, as well as working under sh- the strict guidelines that Kathleen Kennedy seems like she gives for these films. So. Right. Yeah. You're asking. Yeah. It's like, it's like asking somebody um, that does, I don't, I, I, you know, I don't have a good metaphor for it, but yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a massive turn mm-hmm. into uh, studio films. Yeah. So some other ones that I've heard suggested that I don't think are real possibilities. I've heard Matt Reeves's name thrown around. No, he's, he's locked in on Batman. He would be great, but yeah, unless he leaves Batman because it's not happening or something, then it could happen, but he seems pretty locked into that at this point, unless he is a huge Star Wars fan. And it's like, I, I can't pass up the opportunity to do nine. And that could be a pool for a lot of people. That could be a position for a lot of people to be in because it's Star Wars. It's hard to, it'd be hard to pass up Star Wars if they're offering it to you um, to do anything else. So I don't think Matt Reeves is a real option. Um, Edgar Wright is a name I've heard as well many times. I think you suggested it to me. Initially, I, I threw it out as a joke reaction. Oh, okay, um, I, but did, it, I did but, not get the sarcasm. Well, <laughs> but I put it on my list because I actually do believe it. You believe that he has a he, that he would do it, or I that Lucasfilm that if, would call him. If Luke, I believe Lucasfilm would. Uh, no, I believe he would do it. I don't think Lucasfilm would call him. I think Lucasfilm would call him. I don't think he would do it. Okay, that's fair. Because, uh, but yes, his uh, Ant Man experience yes. was probably so tra- was, was traumatic, and yeah. I feel so bad for him still to this day. Exactly. I mean, like he just got off Baby Driver, one of the biggest you know box office hits in terms of budget to gross this year, and I don't know how why he would sacrifice. And like he already has like three other projects that he has in the works. Uh, I don't know why he would be like, all right, sure, I'll do nine but I can't do any of my creative fun improv stuff that Phil Lord and Chris Miller got fired for because like he can't do any of that stuff. Cause he'd get fired too, probably. Yeah. Uh, and I think, I don't know if his relationship with Disney is tarnished that harsh because of Ant-Man or if it's just Marvel, but I think it being under the same umbrella, uh, I don't think helps that situation yeah. either. It's definitely important to remember. St- they work with studios 
underneath the Disney umbrella. Mm-hmm. So yeah, a bad experience at one place does not mean it's not going to. Kathleen Kennedy is not going to look at um, people who have had bad times with Marvel and say, "Well, why'd you have a bad time with Marvel?" Well, we make totally different movies, so you right. know, like maybe the reason you didn't have a good time was because you belonged over here. So right, come yeah, on, maybe you know whatever the case is. Uh, I've also heard John Favreau's name thrown out there. It's impossible. He's doing Lion King mm-hmm. plus. The talks of the Jungle Book 2. Uh, I think it'd be a great choice for a Star Wars movie in the future, but I don't think he, he can't work now. Um, what about James Mangold? Uh, yeah, I, my, I thought about that because I was I watched Logan again just this last week. Uh, but he's... I, I don't think he fits Star Wars. This he don't think he fits an episode of Star I, Wars. I, that's fair. He would he would direct the Star the Wars Obi-Wan movie, Bounty Hunter movie, or the Obi Wan movie, and crush it. Yeah, but I, I don't agree. think he's fit. He's fit for an episode. Yeah. Plus, I th- he already has his next project announced, I believe. Um, what about F. Gary Gray, director of Stratocompton and Fast and Furious Eight, or the Fate of the Furious, if I pronounce if I do his correct title. Who would be Star Wars' first black director? Get diversity. Also, think he's a very capable guy, uh, and he doesn't have any projects announced currently. That is an interesting pick. I've left I have, silent. I, I because I'm trying to think. He 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 absolutely wielded straight out of Compton into one of the most lively movies I had seen that mm-hmm. summer that it came out. Yeah. But he was also handling people's life stories. Mm-hmm. Fast and or Fate of the Furious was a studio blockbuster. Yes. So he, we know he can handle that. Um, hmm. I would have to think more on that, but I like. You like, I don't, you, like the, you don't hate it. I, I, I don't hate it. <laughs> I mean, I, I you know, I, I, does he have any other films under his belt? Um, I think he has one other one, but I can't okay. think of it off the top of my head. I'll have to check it out because I, you know, I just don't, I had some biases on fate right. and so I was never going to be able to wiggle out of those to judge mm-hmm. this guy fairly. Um, but straight out of the Compton was terrific. Yeah. That is a really, that's a left field choice, but I like it. Yeah, I have not seen his name thrown on a lot. What about, uh, Joe Johnston? Director of Captain America, the first Avenger. So he's in the Marvel family a little bit. I know he has also other ties to um, Lucasfilm as well and Kathleen Kennedy and all that stuff. But he all, he's also lined up to direct the Chronicles of Narnia reboot. But, I mean, if it's between Chronicles of Narnia and Star Wars, it's a pretty easy decision, in my opinion. Yes. Uh, and I think, he'd, I think he would do a good job. Uh, I think first Avenger is a very underrated Marvel movie. Not one that's talked about enough in terms of its quality. But uh, I think I think you'd do I think you'd do a really good job with it. He who directed Willow? Did he direct Willow? Willow isn't that Ron Howard? That's Ron Howard. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I, well, I knew he. I, I feel like he did the original Rocketeer. But was I, that what it was? I, I'm trying I, to think of that's his what I, film connection. That's what I'm remembering in my head, but I don't know if that's actually correct or not. Okay, fair enough. Um, but he did do Jurassic Park three. Uh, so I have I have I have warm feelings about that movie as right. well as Captain. I think America. that's what it was because he, he the connection to the Spielberg and all that. Yes. Stuff. Hmm. You know, uh, it's it's so it's so it is so uh, narcissistic to say he's not Star Wars material uh, because I think all of these people. Mm-hmm. 
could totally helm a film. Right. But Joe doesn't strike me as someone who's going to direct the movie. Mm-hmm. How about I say that? Right. Okay. So what about uh, Justin Lin? Y- yes. Star Trek Beyond. Mm-hmm. Again, Terrific. Again, add diversity. He'd also follow Abrams' path a little bit, jump from Star Trek to Star Wars. Yeah. Um, and his other his only other projects are Space Jam 2 and Hot Wheels. Uh, I don't think either of those are very uh, no, are, are priorities for either studio. So I think his schedule is pretty much available. Yeah. And the opportunity, I would love to see him make the jump from Star Trek to from Star Trek Beyond to Star Wars 9 because Star Trek Beyond was so good and got so little love at the box office that I would love to see him take on Star Wars 9 and get, I think, the recognition he deserves. Yeah. he he he. If I had to make a list of people who that we have – talked about on this show that it have done well and i have not heard from since mm-hmm. I, yeah he would be at the he would be near the top yeah because i i think i said i dropped a five ticket stub rating on star trek beyond because it was so. phenomenal mm-hmm. and i don't like star trek movies <laughs> that much at all but he he had the fun of abrams but he also he had the the shipmanship mm-hmm. or the ship the sh- <laughs> the the friendships of the shipmates yes of the enterprise locked in and he he took it out of space put us on the planet wasn't afraid to uh, you know do a little fast and furious bits mm-hmm. there you know um with the the flaming wave uh <laughs> brought on by rock music or, or right. classical music if you will for the movie's logic um yeah, I I would love that, actually. Okay, and you mentioned people who you've not heard of since a while ago. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen because I don't think he fits the mold that I think Lucasfilm's looking for in terms of directors who are super experienced will make the films that they want. Dan Trachtenberg. Yeah, he's on my list, I mean, <laughs> I throw him out for everything, I feel like, because yeah. I want to see his next project so bad. But I would love to see it happen. I don't think it's a real shot. Yeah, he's 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 writing and working on something for himself. Mm-hmm. So I think he's out of the game, uh, especially because he hasn't wielded anything high budget yet. Right. Uh, Ten Cloverfield Lane was was so low key that Abrams was able to slip that entire thing, you know, <laughs> underneath the guys. Well, it was underneath Star Wars, right? So he was, you know, anything could have um, slid through there, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, he's uh, he's still somebody I'm waiting for a next project for. Right, okay. So do you have any other suggestions? I did. I wrote down um, Alejandro in Air 2. Okay. I, he, he, he does foreign films mm-hmm. mostly. Or not foreign films, but yeah, foreign films. So I don't think he would ever show up here because he's he's much more of a guerrilla director. Right, and I mean, like, it would be a great get getting the director of Birdman and The Revenant, but... Yes, but he's not... He's he is definitely not going to sit down and do a studio film. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Revenant, the Revenant was a studio film, but it was on his terms. Right, it was very much. All right, you guys are going to spend a lot of money because we're going to get Oscars, mm-hmm. and he achieved in that aspect. Yes. so it's worth it. And then I do have a dream on here. Okay, and I don't know if you made your list or not because it, I mean you know where I'm going with this already. But Christopher Nolan doesn't have anything right now, and when I say anything, I mean anything. Do you think he'd be a really good fit though for an episode nine? I think he. I think he and work well would, with Lucasfilm. I think he would be, mainly because he's handled studio projects before. 
Um, him and Jonathan had a lot of creative reign with Batman. Mm-hmm. That is, that should be clear. But Jonathan is already best friends with J.J. Abrams. They, they're doing, not best friends, maybe that's probably too far <laughs> out there, but they have a great working uh, connection because of Westworld. Um, and that's shooting right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that won't probably come out of the pipeline until 2019 or, or 2018. So Jonathan's going to have a lot of free time. Nolan is probably giving notes on the new Memento movie that they're supposedly well, in the works. Not. I would guess he's not a... He's not. Uh, oh, I'm sure he'll produce at, at the end of it. I mean, it's still it. It's his. I it, guess that's true. So, I, I, how how would you freeze out the creator? But other than that, um, is it his? Is it his original like idea and everything? I believe so, wasn't it? I don't know why. I don't know how they would reboot it then, because I don't. I don't know why no one would allow it. It. Ha- I feel like it has to be based on a novel or a true story. Or I mean, it's not a true story, obviously, but I feel like it has to be based on something. Um. Otherwise, mm. the studio wouldn't have the right to reboot it without Nolan's consent. And I don't know why Nolan would allow people to remake his own movies so close together, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. I, all indications, though, it was written and directed by Chris. Okay. Um, I'll have to look into that. But I think he'd be a great fit. Okay. Because if if Ryan's still there, <laughs> I, do know, I do realize the irony of saying if Ryan, you know, if Ryan doesn't want to direct but wants to write, if Jack Thorne's still there, if Jonathan comes in on Dead This <laughs> Two, you have you have all of the makings of an incredible Star Wars film. Yeah. Now, Nolan's movies have been have rely have rely on wit and one liners. Star Wars is a little more over the top with their mm-hmm. with their jokes, at least what we saw established in episode Episode seven. Seven. Yeah. You know, it was a lot more playful mm-hmm. than we've seen um, in recent movies. Maybe now, maybe Ryan's film redirects that mm-hmm. uh, to some degree. But if no one's coming in to set the final, be the final note of this film, I would just die because comparing my favorite director with my favorite composer um, would be amazing. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, Last two suggestions. It's kind of it's kind of a one suggestion, but kind of folded into two suggestions okay. at the same time. What about Ron Howard or Tony Gilroy? Both mm. men come in last second, potentially save standalone films. We don't know what Ron Howard's doing. Obviously, we haven't seen the final product yet. But Tony Gilroy, from all instances, helped save "quote unquote" um, Rogue One. And if Ron Howard is doing the same thing, maybe that's why he signed up in the first place. Is because they already had the the behind the doors under the table handshake deal that hey you want to come in do this for six months and at the same time if you want it we'll be working on episode nine script then you can come on and direct that i think that makes that makes a lot of sense uh i i'm not the biggest fan of that choice if that's the way they would go because it's, it's not an exciting one but i could see either of those also working out i i, I don't think ron howard will just take because, over just that because of time i think because of time but also because he's going to have some PTSD after on Solo, <laughs> not because he's trying to save something, you know, inc- you know, terribly, mm-hmm. but uh, he has been working his butt off right since he's since he walked into that job. Uh, I have I would have a hard time believing that he would um, 
He would direct. Yeah. That's not a Star Wars movie after that. Oh, yeah, that's fair. Tony Gilroy, he, he did Born Legacy and I think one other movie that... Uh, mm, I can't remember. Do... Oh, I don't remember. I'm not even going to guess anymore. <laughs> but he he's much more of a producer writer um, yeah. than he is a director. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's those are all your suggestions. Yeah. Those are all mine. I feel terrific about. I I, I want Villeneuve. I would be ecstatic if no right, one jumped on. But also Catherine Bigelow and um, uh, Justin Lin or F. Gary Gray. Yep. Those would all be fantastic choices as well. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's anybody's guess mm-hmm. if Ryan does it I think you know it's in the back yeah it's I mean if I had to, if film. I had to do like a top three outside of Ryan or JJ it would be big uh, in some order I don't know the order it would be Bigelow Lynn and Gary Gray mm-hmm. I think that All just right. makes the most sense uh, I had another question but I will we'll save it for another future question All um, right. just because of time so uh, we're gonna we're gonna sign off this week but we'll be back obviously next week with a review of I don't know. Either American Assassin or Mother. Probably right. Mother. Yeah, uh, because it's, it's, mo- it's the bigger one. I will definitely go see American Assassin either way, because um, just it looks fun. It looks it, different. But Mother, I think it'll, it'll be Mother. We're going to review Mother next week. We'll it commit is, to it now. Yes. Uh, get Darnowski, Jennifer Lawrence, Javier Bardem, Michelle Pfeiffer, and um, uh, Ed something. Can't think of his last Ed name. Ed Martin. No. No. I know who you're talking about though. Yeah. So, that's, that's yeah, all that matters. Right. Uh, so, yeah, are you excited to see Mother? It, it, I wasn't <laughs> until people started laying out the case online after seeing it. I think it screened the premiere or the festival. Was it TIFF? I don't know. I think so. I think it screened at TIFF. Yeah. People said that it was going to shake up the Oscars forever. Oh, and it was amazingly good. So, okay. that means. I need to get excited for it or I need to, you know, at least be ready to go witness something incredible. Right. Um, but I just came out of, we just came out of it, which was a gentle horror film mm-hmm. about, or a horror with heart. I'll go back to that. Right. Uh, ho- Mother looks like another pure horror psychological thriller film with a twist. Uh, yeah, let's do it. All right. Yeah. I, I'm looking forward to it as well because Aronofsky's a, a great director. I finally watched Requiem for a Dream like last week or two weeks ago. Uh, really good film. And then uh, it's got J-Law. So mm-hmm. I'll see anything Jennifer Lawrence does basically. So uh, there's a lot of reasons to be excited for it. It's had good trailers. Uh, the one that played in front of my screening for it was really weird. It was like, next week, come back to the theater to see Mother. Yeah, was. And they're like, it, was, it was very weird. But... I mean, I guess that's what I guess is what they're doing now. So uh, we'll be back next week with a review of Mother. If you enjoyed Ed Harris, Ed Harris, yes. There, I wanted to say Ed Helms. I was like, I know that's not right. <laughs> it's not Ed Helms. Uh, okay. Yes, thank you for that. Uh, yes, yeah, so we'll be back next week with a re- uh, review of Mother. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share, retweet, and more. Plus, it'll write to you and give us a five-star review with comments because uh, it helps us grow and helps other people find our show. Uh, during time, we have to be sure to tell us anything covered by Trans at Friends and Film. We receive updates on the podcast, movie news, and more. You can find Percy on Twitter at Coops underscore Hoops. And you can argue with me, Josh, at just Joshua Ryan. Thanks again for tuning in to the Friends and Film podcast. Josh. Thanks for stopping in, everyone. And be sure to return next week for our review of Mother. <laughs>